0: like there we go listen to like weird audio like like uh, you know the spy stations have you have you heard about those no i don't think so there's like stations i can't remember what they're called but they 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 uh, put out like just random well it's not random but it sounds like random like letters and numbers and all these things and they say that there's supposedly spy channels left over from the World War Two. that if you know what they mean, mm. then you can contact somebody or do something or something like that. <laughs> but the, but there's there's one that's like... A dem, a, a, to me, and this is what it's... They, they say it's some kind of demonic thing, right? Mm. But to me what it is is some kind of magic ritual dark magic ritual mm. that is based on people listening to it and well, shit like that dude, and that kind of stuff I don't I really I don't I try to stay away from a little bit you know I, I don't blame you cause, cause I do think like like certain things like that if people put enough power into it and stuff it's not that it does something big to you it's that it does something really small to you and wow. that's like a bad... And it's chaos over time. Yeah, yeah. Know?
1: The whole the sensitive dependence upon initial conditions, like yeah. the flapping of the butterfly.
0: And because and people... If people know what they're doing, and mm-hmm. they're literally, like with using Burroughs' method and stuff, where you're using audio and recording it and playing it backwards and all this stuff, like... Mm-hmm. Those methods can be very powerful, and I do think like you can maybe get your mind ruined a little bit by listening to certain things like that. If people really know what they're doing and they're really trying to fuck your mind up, mm-hmm. and they want to fuck your mind up, and some people do, some people are very vicious, and you have to be very careful with that kind of stuff, you know, because some people don't want to help, you know, they want to like it, they want the world to be chaos or whatever. Well, we like a lot of people like to believe that they're intrinsically good and they
1: don't have a dark side. Yeah. I think that is extremely dangerous because those are the kind of people that get led blindly uh, using really nice language into doing terrible things, right?
0: Well, well, that's true. Because if you're...
1: This is like the Jungian idea. If you're unconscious of your shadow,
0: if you're unconscious of the archetypes, you're essentially... Well, you have uh, to be... You're being used by these things. You have to be conscious that like it put in certain positions you would kill someone mm-hmm. and things like that like you have to be conscious of the fact that or you wouldn't things like mm-hmm. that like you have to be conscious of these facts you know like mm-hmm. the, of the darkest nature's possible in your in yourself mm-hmm. and, so the, and but those are the scariest things but yeah. you, but that's how you cuz like you said though if you don't recognize them mm. and they sneak up on you, yeah. that's when it's a real becomes a real problem when people's like, because then they can't control themselves and they mm. can't control their thoughts, and you get into blind rages, and that's why right. we have laws about uh, killing people right. like lovers killing each other. You well, know? you be, you become possessed by essentially. I
1: mean, you call them what you like, deities or archetypes well, or whatever. Well, it is it obsession and, and... possession. Right. Like, like
0: obsession leads to possession. But the the ego is completely and overwhelmed. Possession. Yes. And, and exactly, it is the ego too. Mm-hmm. Like, and there's no good voice in the background, or mm-hmm. there's no higher self or whatever, because that person hasn't worked on themselves or whatever. So all they have is darkness. Yeah. In certain people's lives, especially in certain people who are get unlucky, and they've been abused their whole lives, or they had a terrible life, like. You get a lot of situations where it's very, very difficult to get out of lower states of mind because you're you're put there every day by mm. your surroundings, and that's and that, But that's where Buddhism is very difficult, but also true in a sense is like if that's happening, you have to yeah. make your mind not that way because <laughs> you only have power over your mind. Yeah. So if that situation isn't going to change, you have to change the only thing that does change, and that's mm. your mind. And that's one of the most difficult. And that doesn't mean loving the person. And that doesn't mean helping the person or anything like that either, because that's a kind of thing too. You can't get in the things like that, because everything. That's the one thing you got to watch with like people in a sense. There's a lot of power manipulate power mm-hmm. manipulations and a lot of um, sadomasochism and stuff. A lot of people that won't that get pleasure out of seeing someone in pain mm-hmm. and also get pleasure from their own pain, and and that is like a fun, weird tied to sexuality in a weird way, and especially if people. Have pain and sex during puberty and get yeah. abused during puberty and stuff. There's weird complexes developed that with sadomasochism and it comes into play in various, in all, in a lot. That's what, like, uh, uh, like the libidinal economy
1: mm-hmm.
0: by, uh, li, uh, I think it's Levine, but like, uh, you should you should read that sometime. Mm. It's very interesting, but it's kind of about politics and stuff. But he's right in a sense, and he's talking about the libido in the Freudian sense in a way. But because it is a you know it is a nature in a sense, but it's like because uh, you kind of have this uh, skin of mm-hmm. a like uh, he's talking about in the beginning of the book. He talks about like a the libido as a skin kind of like over the whole planet that has like dimensionality to it. Mm-hmm. So you imagine it as, like, a complex field, almost, over the, over the whole of the world. And it is kind of an interesting idea. Because, because it does drive politics. Like, um, a lot of these weird ideas do drive certain areas of politics and certain areas of people wanting to be loved by other people, and wanting mm. to be accepted by other people, and wanting attention from other people. Mm. You get a lot of very strange things that develop from people desiring attention from others, you know? Well, that's uh, definitely the case,
1: and I haven't read it very thoroughly, but Sartre talks about state masochism and being in nothingness, and this is all predicated on the fundamental desire of human beings. He says, I admit, human beings are essentially uh, the desire to be God which is a unattainable unity of the for itself and the in itself so of absolute freedom and absolute um, uh, solidity but he sure. said this is something uh, that can never be attained but it expresses, it's like a meta drive it's like Nietzsche's yes. meta drive to well. power but it's it's expressed in all these various ways including uh, through social interactions and this is partly where sadomasochism, sadomasochism comes in is that either one is essentially becoming an object, and th- therefore at least kind of attaining this ultimate end, right? So it's it's explicable within the context of a metadrive, and it's explicable what the person that is turning the person into an object, because he is essentially becoming a more pure form of the four itself, who's, like tra- uh, start say whose transcendence is not being transcended by another subjectivity. And yeah. this is the problem of well, inner subjectivity is that we keep trampling on each other's freedom without meaning to. We keep turning each other into objects without meaning to. We keep creating a... I'm creating a being for you right right now that you don't have access to, and that's extremely problematic to you, at, well, at least on an
0: unconscious level. Well, but it's also part of what the Buddhists say, too. We're creating objects we think that are actually existing forever and mm-hmm. things like that, too. We Like, we accidentally create eternal objects that we think are unchanging... And so we attach to this ideal version of things in our head, and then when that goes wrong or changes, then we get real sad or something. And that's why they say not to attach to these kind of, like, versions of things we have in our head. But see, even Vajrayana, right? That, what you said about, well, what Sartre said about, you know, the human's desire to be God, right? Mm. That is what... Vadrian is playing off of using deities. Right. Like, they're basically confirming what well, he's that, saying, you know? That's it, interesting. It's like, they're, they're literally using that. Like, that since that is there, and that is mm-hmm. one of the strongest drives in humanity, you use that in the highest practice, even though you don't believe in deities and stuff, mm-hmm. because that is, that's what we want. That's like a huge desire. Mm-hmm. And in, in, in Tantra, you're using desire as the path, you know? And, and so it is kind of interesting, because it kind of is a... Real interesting, dovetail back to existentialism in well, that way. I, there's definitely, I think you made a very connection.
1: good connection uh, between them. So Sartre would say, and he said it, that man is a useless passion, that essentially this is the, the for itself in itself is never actually attainable. But he does posit something that perhaps is kind of a happy medium or at least Well, he also substitute. poses transcendence. Well that, that's true. I mean human hu, human reality is essentially transcendent and it's yeah. very and it's very nature. And freedom. Exactly. Transcendence and freedom are kinda of the key. But that's that's the recognition of this, right? And not to flee from it is how one becomes authentic and this is as exactly far as, as I understand start, exactly. this is how this is as good as things get. Where Heidegger talks about but Heidegger talks about authenticity as well. He talks about it it happens and Relation, recognizing one's death and becoming intimately connected with, with one's death. Sartre says, well, that's not really true. I mean, he goes into it on the section on death, I believe, on the chapter on freedom. But he says, it didn't really make sense. Uh, true authenticity is derived from a recognition of, of our own freedom and turning that the rec- that recognition into a playful attitude towards interpreting and creating values. And this is like, uh, this is Nietzschean.
0: Well, see, right mistake, there, that's really the difference between, in a lot of respects, and Theravadin- or Hinayana and Vajrayana. Mm-hmm. Hinayana is focused on death. Mm-hmm. And and monks, Buddhist monks actually in Thailand and a lot of places are associated with death. They're the ones you call for funerals, not weddings. It's mm-hmm. actually bad luck to have a monk at a wedding in a lot of oh, places. Yeah. So 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 you call Buddhists for funerals, Buddhist priests for funerals. So cut uh, especially Theravadans yeah. yeah. And see that is... Because they do... You do a lot of meditation on death. You imagine your That's skeleton. True. You imagine your body as a corpse. You... Mm. Like the... They have like 12... 12 meditations or something. That all or many of the, them focus on different aspects of death and dying and you're imagining yourself in those states mm. and, and spending a lot of time meditating on those states mm. like how Vajrayana meditates on deities, you yeah. meditate on death or cool. your body as a corpse which is another realization that those, see, all these things are important in a sense it's just like, like with that color thing I said earlier, right, certain mind like thinking about certain colors Bring, brings about certain states of mind but what they said also, certain people are geared for certain colors hmm. so they actually perceive the information from that color sooner in the brain before the other colors hmm. but that's like everything we have systems of priority for all these states that activate our mind in various well, ways You know, it's funny,
1: I was watching a video on, on motor- motorcycle riders and they are studying perception and people who read left or right are much better at noticing hazards on the left side of their field of vision. When people that read right to left are much better at recognizing on their right. Exactly. And
0: see, and that's why, like, it's obvious in a sense once you start recognizing these things that the body or the awareness takes in so much more information than than is consciously available most of the time. Mm -hmm. And what we consciously have available is a certain form of favoritism. Like, it's a certain form of aesthetics like mm-hmm. it's a certain thing about beauty a lot of people like certain shapes certain forms you know and this is what they gravitate towards is thought structures that are those forms have those shapes in them has mm-hmm. those ideas because a lot of people gravitate towards things that look like their own things you know and that's that's a lot of times good that's that's important like uh like the Buddhists, like the systems of reincarnation and stuff like you It's not just the person that reincarnates. Mm. Like, they don't even have that, really, in certain respects. Well, they do, but they also have the qualities of the person reincarnate in a new person. So, like, the quality of wisdom, the quality of compassion. That lives on, not Mm. just the person. So you have... And that's really, like, the more dynamic view of, like, uh, karma, in a sense. But it's like every vibration moves out in a specific way, in a specific frequency and spectrum and it and then it and it echoes out through people and through other minds well, and it makes other people's minds move and makes your mind move and that's what creates karma because everything that causes your mind to move is a little bit of is a little thing you're attached to a little bit of karma you oh, know certainly. but some karma is not like they call it the soft betters you know like it like like your family your friends all these things are like Maybe. things that you don't want to leave Right. You know, but but you but you kind of train to leave them. You mm. know, because you're going to die. Yeah. So that's why you train to leave them, because ultimately you're going to die. So if you're really attached to them, you're going to have such a hard time at the end, and you're going to be, see that they try to have such a noble death instead mm. of like being groveling and scared and all this kind of stuff. So you, but that sets a bad example well, for people in uh, a sense, especially in old times. It's
1: very funny that you you brought that up because. Reading Schopenhauer's ideas on death, he talks about it, and he, he's making a, a general point. But he's talking about the difference between a person groveling before death and a person that enters death nobly. And he says, "This is really odd that we would kind of look down on people that grovel like that because it kind of it makes sense." But we re- we he says something along the lines of we we intuitively intuitively realize that he's under the sway of the will and uh, the blind will and the person. That meets death gracefully, has overcome the will using intellect. Yes. It says, that is like an inherently beautiful thing to witness. Yes. We we respect that because every it's not a pr- good to be driven by the blind will. I think a lot of people understand that a blind the blind will uh, is a very destructive thing.
0: Sure, it can and be. it's, a, it's a, a
1: very sad thing. But a, a per-
0: but it can also be it can also be a work of art too. Right. Well, but a, but know. a
1: man. And this goes back to the Stoics and and Neoplatonists, whatever. A man that's that is has his passions under control. A man that is driven by reason and virtue. That's a beautiful. That's a beautiful person. Not the person given over to the basic and the most basic thing in reality is will. Everything has it. You're not distinguished by having a will. You're distinguished well, by having an intellect that can overcome a will. That's a, that's
0: the true achievement. Well, well, and that's brought out most clearly in the face of death. Well, I think too. It's will, focus, and concentration. That's, a, that's our whole lives. Well, it's
1: kind of a little... Right. Well, it, I think Cause it's like, in that context, it's slightly different. Because this is like yeah. a blind striving to exist. It, it's not bad under every context, if necessary. But if sure. that's your primary drive, it's problematic. A will not steered by a well-controlled uh, attention and a reason is, at the very
0: least, a, a dangerous thing. Well, the thing about the will, too, is it's involved in... Most spiritual practices in the world. Mm. And all of them involve pushing your will as hard as you can. Mm. With, with all the tantric practices, yogic practices, meditation practices, mm. all of this is putting effort into the will and strengthening the will. Strengthening Mm. the will and strengthening the mind, but strengthening the focus and concentration too. Because focus and concentration is all about what you're focusing on in your visual field and stuff. Mm. Because that that becomes very important. What objects you're focusing on, how Mm. you focus on, why you're focusing on, for how long, how long you put your concentration on something, for hours, days, years at a time, or just seconds. Like, do you really care about something or don't you? Right. Mm. This is how you really see what's invaluable in your life is like what you focus on, you know, and why mm. you're focusing on that thing. Well, I, like I, I, figuring those things out is very
1: important. I agree, and I think like the 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 through line of this is in that case, and I think Shelby and I would probably agree that essentially you're you're getting the will, which is by by maybe left alone by itself is not such a great thing. It's it, he calls the will blind, uh, a blind striving. But you want to get it under control and use it for something good. But his point is that it's not—it's not so great left to its own devices because all it really wants to do is, I guess, essentially, is have sex and propagate itself, which is not, in his view, because the universe or because existence isn't such a great thing. It's not good to let it just keep doing that because it's yeah. perpetuating suffering, essentially.
0: Well, I can, I can
1: definitely. See. But you're talking well, about controlling they, it with reason.
0: Well, you know? exactly. Like, I mean, well, that's the thing. You have to. Well, it's with every... Like, you just develop complex systems of, of, of training the will. Because it's like mm-hmm. what Stravinsky said, right? You, you Like, to make music, you have to bind strings. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to, to, to make chords. That's how you play any instrument, is you bind a few strings. Mm-hmm. And you have to do that in a certain respect. But you also... But it's also dependent... On strings vibrating other strings without them being plucked in a sense mm-hmm. like how 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 Indian instruments work and stuff because that's an example of the nature of reality and also the, vib- the vibratory system of like uh, the pythagoreans and the Egyptians That's how Plotinus talks about uh, the efficacy of magic of yes. the
1: re- and internal resonance
0: and that is how it works because that's the thing we find too when people can't have conversations or when people are really into each other, like, no matter what, it, no matter what relationship it is, if it's a family relationship or, like, a lover relationship, mm. your heartbeats synchronize. Mm. And when you're talking to each other, your brainwaves probably synchronize as well. And your brain... Mm. Like, your brain and heart synchronize. Like, so so you have, like... Uh, it's a great metaphor. It works in a lot of different ways. Yeah, but, I mean, it's literally happening in... This, mm. Like, there's scientific studies that show it. Mm. Like, happening in real time. So it's like... That is the basis of true connection. Mm-hmm. That is the basis of where people share experience, true. is where they're they're really vibrating together. Because mm-hmm. that's when you, like, we already have the phrase, on the same wavelength and stuff right, like that. Uh-huh. So it's like things people feel already. And you can see when someone's not understanding mm-hmm. what you're saying and stuff and things like that. And not, like, keeping up with you or... or like uh, thinking about something in their own head. A lot of times, you can see these things, especially if you know the person. Well, and that kind of stuff, you know.
1: I agree, and, and and well, I think generally it's understood that being in resonance is a is a great thing. Like people want to yeah. share experiences. People want to be join groups where there's some um, resonance between them. And I think people talk about bad people wanting to bring people down and good people wanting to bring mm-hmm. people up because. What, whichever way you're going, people like company. People like yeah. a greater collection of, of
0: resonances happening. Well, it's also type. like concerts, you know? Like, Well, mm. Jim Morrison talked about it a lot. Sure. He thought concerts were powerful because of this specific thing. Like, you could change people's minds and they would go home changed. Mm. And they would be changed for six months, years afterwards. And you maybe know? that's
1: why people like it, because that's one of the few situations that people can participate in. and kind of Dionysian... Yes. Um, dissolution of the of the self and everybody is on everybody is on is on the same wavelength exactly. essentially
0: everyone right. knows the deal that's mm-hmm. the thing that's like what festivals are a lot about too yeah. it's like everyone knows what they're doing in mm-hmm. a sense well not everyone but a lot of people the people who put it together a lot of times know what they're doing pretty good like are they especially with tripping and even meditation and a lot of these kinds of things so you have like a very solid well in some respects solid core of right. like very, very experienced, like, people, you know? It's always... Yeah, I think it always feels good when like minded
1: people come together. It doesn't always turn out well. If a bunch of like minded Nazis came together, it might
0: not be a great thing. True. But a bunch true, of like minded, it's a oh, philosopher, well, or whatever. Well, That's one great. of my friends at the festivals and stuff, he had a great talent for putting artists together, putting people together that should talk to each other. Mm. And there's something to be said for talents like that and stuff too. Because there are. Like middlemen, because I've always yeah. considered myself myself kind of a spiritual middleman mm-hmm. <laughs> in a sense, like or middleman just like because like like uh, I can t- I, t- I can tell people systems that are like what they want. Mm-hmm. Like if you tell me some what, certain things that you like or whatever, I could probably tell you a system that has that in it. You know, and that's a kind of kind of thing that I well, I wanted to do with my own mind in a sense, because mm-hmm. I wanted to be able to explain things from each perspective, from different perspectives in a sense. But I, it is it is my own perspective, but I try to keep it like a science mm-hmm. perspective, where I'm trying not to put my views in it, like I'm trying to I'm trying to see what's real, like in an equation or something, you know, rather than like. A, I know my opinions, like I don't want to know my opinions, I have those, like those aren't something that I need to flush out, you know, like I need to flush out what's real, Mm. you know, and that's where I did something, I don't know if it's interesting or not, but for a little while, or for a while, I didn't talk to myself in my own mind in a sense, because I assumed I already knew it. That's a paradox. It's
1: like yeah. talking to yourself is a very weird thing to do, but to exactly. people, so people do Exactly. But constantly.
0: it is but it is strange because when we do talk to ourselves it does help. To degree. It does yeah, help have, sometimes. Yeah. And th- so it is interesting because there is an aspect of mind that knows more than another aspect so, of mind and it has to talk to itself. It's sometimes very strange.
1: you really you almost don't know what you believe, but you yeah. believe it. And exactly. Start talks. A about lot of people don't know what this. they believe. He talks about action revealing our inclinations yes. to ourselves and to yes. this, this kind of thing.
0: Yes, that happens a lot more. Like, people, that's what I say. Schopenhauer all, talks about That's that as what well. I've said all the time, though, is like, most people don't know what they believe at all, mm-hmm. especially with Christianity or various religions, because they haven't studied it or anything. Yeah. They've just adopted it by hearsay from their parents or something. So it's like, you, you This just, is a common
1: trope. You know. Uh, when people mature, they talk about coming in to know themselves. Exactly. And it's very exactly. really funny. And, and Schopenhauer talks about this as well. He talks about coming to know one's will, and uh, yes. he talks about a lot of people don't want to do it because they have an intuition that what's going to be revealed to them isn't 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 very uh, isn't yeah. very good. But yeah. uh, but essentially it's the same thing that our our uh, our nominal will is made present to us in time or phenomenally through time. Yeah. But essentially it's something that has to be revealed to us, but we don't we don't know yes. it uh, a priori in a phenomenal well, kind of way.
0: Well, that's why, like in India, like. Uh the retirement plan for everyone in society for f- f- a few thousand years mm-hmm. and still was like at like 30 or 40, you go into the woods and you meditate for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And that was like for the whole society because yeah. it's like that's just what you do when you get older. You, you, you go on the spiritual path because you can't work anymore. You can't do anything anymore. So you just you so you meditate. And so this was like the rep- retirement plan for yeah. generations of Indians. Well, yeah, the Eskimos
1: just set people sail on icebergs mm-hmm. and. Yeah. The hands put them into the woods.
0: But see, it's like uh, it forces. But it's a it's a, a way to teach people to know themselves. Mm-hmm. And knowing it, knowing the self is the key. I mean, that's one of the oldest quotes in Western philosophy: "Is know thyself." You know, and that was from the uh, the oracles of of Pythia. And it's like. Uh, that is 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 the, the key but then recognizing that the self isn't even what you know it to be like the mm-hmm. self isn't even what you think it is it's something that has existed for millions of years in thousands of different bodies millions all mm-hmm. at once trillions of people have all had this thing all at the same time mm-hmm. and over millions of years
1: like well, i think this overlays pretty well as schopenhauer talks about intuiting the universality of a of, a, of will and everybody and this being the foundation of ethics is the foundation of compassion
0: yes well that is I mean well it's difficult to get there though but I think because oh, yeah. I I have a hard time with compassion my greatest struggle is compassion but uh, uh, but I do think I I uh, I've gotten better over the years but still I have a hard time especially with people that are willfully ignorant and, mm. and evil and things wow. like that I have a very difficult time with compassion for, for... But... I know... I know their nature, though. And mm-hmm. so... Eventually... Hopefully... I can... Errat- well, I can take some of that down, you know. Because it's never good to have hatred in your heart. like... Oh, right, I, or I, mean, I, mean ideas in your heart. You I know? agree. And when I was Or on, your mind.
1: When I was on psilocybin... I felt my heart. And I looked at the anger that I had. I said... And I knew... This was a terrible thing. It's like... holding yeah. Having a poison within your body. But I... The thing I think it might have been Lao Tzu. I think it was a Taoist, but he was talking. I think he was talking about like, uh, so there's two. Think of two different situations. One man's in a boat, and another man's in a boat, and the one the other man's coming towards the other man. He's drunk or something, and he's gonna wreck into him, right? He's yeah. like that's how normal people think about bad things happening. But he said it's more accurate to see like it's an empty boat coming your way. And he said no reasonable person would get mad at an empty boat, but I think. It's kind of like, but, well, I'll connect this to my thought, and this is how I've been thinking about things lately, and it's significantly reduced any anger, uh, sure. bad feelings, or ill will I've had towards people, is that there's two, there's two phases of a person. There's his pure nature, which is not blameworthy, and then you have a mechanical nature that is also not blameworthy for a different reason. Yeah. Their, their nature of mind isn't blameworthy. Because it's like it doesn't have any characteristics, right? Exactly. And their mechanical nature, their personality and
0: their It's just a bunch of habits. And yeah cycles.
1: Exactly. It's recycling essentially, over and over. The physics of their of their um, ego and so forth is not fundamentally different in my estimation than the physics of how water interacts with something or billiard balls knock into each other. Yeah. It's not so it's just
0: like the, well, the it's, it especially after a while. Like, because people, basically, it is like that, in a sense, because people aren't controlling their actions. They're just falling into habitual patterns and repeating the same actions they did that make them comfortable in that yeah.
1: situation. Well, yeah, the organism does what makes it successful. Yeah. And, and Schopenhauer, I think he does, he makes a very good point, uh, putting human motive, human action through the motivations on the spectrum from the most basic interaction between material components and chemical components, that essentially, like I was saying, the mechanical part of the human being is not a product of free will. It's more akin to a machine that's been set up and exactly. its, it's unfolding. And I actually had a vision of this while uh, I was on mushrooms. Well, I could watch. I could watch inputs coming in through my sensory apparatuses. And I could see it going into a machine. Yeah. And it spit out. Someone would say something to me. I would watch the machine take it in, and then I would say something back. Yeah. But it was like, I'm, I'm watching this. That's not me. I'm watching this thing take something in and put something out. But yes. that's a very good analogy of what's yes. happening. Well, so, that's. We, that's what you're getting mad at you're getting mad at a machine but they didn't they didn't make the Well, machine. especially
0: if you don't train the mind. But see, well th- that's where Lily called it uh, you know, uh, metaprogramming. Programming metaprogramming the human biocomputer. Well, yeah, I think that's yeah. Because cause that's what it's all about. It's changing inheritable mm. patterns of your mind. Well, here's here's yeah.
1: what the Buddhists would I think would say is that there's no programmer. Things are being reprogrammed, but there's nobody. Well, there's not.
0: There's not an absolutely existing one. There's not one that will exist forever. And there's not one that exists truly. Mm -hmm. Like, it's always changing. And it will always change. And it wasn't this ten years ago, and it will be something different ten years from now. So you have this kind of uh, thing that's always... Like, see, they don't say things are nothing... Mm. They say things are empty of absolute existence, sure. and that's the true thing, and that's the kind of the interesting thing, because they say that grasping mm. is the thing that causes the eye. Grasping after something real, something mm. that is absolutely existing and unchanging, mm. is what creates the eye, and I think that's actually a brilliant insight. Well wow. Because, like, in a, in a child, I looked this up, like a baby... In the first few months of its life, if you touch its hand, it'll automatically grab you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that happens for the first, like, f- couple months. And mm-hmm. if it keeps happening until six months or something, the, the child has a problem, like a mental problem. Like, a not a mental, but a physical problem in their brain mm-hmm. or something, right? So the thing is, that thing that grasps, that finger, is the, is the basic grasping that, that turns into the grasping in mind. And so, it's, it is kind of interesting, because it's a very early impulse, and, like, that impulse to grasp at something, and something real, something that we love, something that we like, like a mom's finger or something, a mom or, or whatever, is kind of the nature that creates the self, well, in a sense, or one of the natures that creates a lot of the foundations for the self in the early, in the, in the
1: baby years. Well, I think of it like this, so and it's, it's pretty straightforward, like I get it from, from Buddhism primarily, but you have a collection of aggregates, of thoughts and feelings and perceptions, and among those perceptions is the sensation of i-ness right? But that itself is also just a phenomenal appearance along with everything else, and that unfolds just like everything else. Yeah. And, and, and ultimately, so people take the the phenom- like the intuition of a self that attaches itself to certain formations that appear, Uh, Thoughts and feelings and actions, right? Those things are accompanied by an intuition of self. And I think how I understand it is that that is essentially a false reference, it's a sign. In the road that doesn't actually refer to anything. It's like there's a stop sign, that, or there's a sign that says uh, sharp turn ahead, right? Well, but there's not really a sharp turn ahead. Yeah, it's not really actually exactly. referencing anything. Well, see, believe, that's what people believe. They say, here's a sign, there must be a, a sharp turn ahead. And yes. people get this information their entire lives, but once once you actually go beyond the sign, right, you you see, oh, there's not, there's not actually a turn here. Well, like, see... I believed it, I believed the sign, but it wasn't actually referring to anything.
0: Yes. Yeah. Well, this is where I say, in a certain respect, you get to non-self and mm. the selfless nature. Like, the, And we associate the selfless nature with love and compassion and a lot of things like that. But it's recognizing that a lot of these natures are not self natures. They're selfless natures. Mm-hmm. They're natures that go beyond the self, that transcend the self, because they've been in all selves forever. Sure. So you so you get this thing that's not just one self, it's every self everywhere. So you have this transcendent quality that isn't a self. Mm-hmm. That creates it, you know? So, you, it, But none of these things are the terms we use for them anyway. These are just markers for the mind, you well, know? ultimately. Because yeah. that's one thing you have to recognize, too. But it is important to recognize that we are actually, in many ways, much more of a non-self w- than we are a self. And the non-self is where love comes from. And, and the imagination and all these things are, are, are wellspring from mm-hmm. the nature, the non-self, the, the true nature of reality that is beyond the self. And like, uh, But the self is one of the greatest inventions that humans have created mm-hmm. to modify reality and modify the mind and modify things around itself.
1: I would say something even a little bit different, like it's the greatest invention that just reality has created.
0: Maybe. Right. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Because it is like a unity, and reality tends to seemingly create higher unities, and right. higher unities, and the, and the self is a natural cre- naturally created higher I'm, unity. I'm
1: thinking thinking like a Hegelian Geist, uh, driven towards greater stages of self-realization. I mean, something... Yes. But that's being expressed in all of this, right? Yes. But it's not... The individuals participate, of course, but there's something... Unified that they're all taking well,
0: part in. And see, and this is where, to me, it's easy to see this in life itself. If you mm-hmm. see life, the whole thing of life, where it's all bacteria, fish, plants, people, it's mm-hmm. everything. And all those things are alive, and all of them want to eat, and they all poop, and they all do everything <laughs> that each other do. You know, so you have this one impulse transmitting itself through tr- billions of bodies. And it's like a field within nature, you know? But it's like, life is that, you know? Mm -hmm. I do think life is the basis of spirit in a lot of respects. Like, Mm -hmm. mind is to life what life is to energy. Right. Like, life, when it's related to energy, orders itself Mm -hmm. and starts modifying Mm -hmm. things so it can keep itself alive. It starts turning things into itself. This is what the mind does to information. It starts to order things, turn it into itself, you mm-hmm. see. So it's the same process yeah. within these two things, you know. And this is these are the metaphysics of nature. These yeah. are the fundamental metaphysics of the processes of nature that they're the same as the mind. The mind has these same motions within it because what? they are fundamental patterns within the energetic natures of reality, you know. Okay. But that's why I say, like, Mind is life and life is mind, but really they're beyond. Like there's something. It's like the. It's like the heart too. The heart, mind, that kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. life. Life is the. Life is kind of the thing to think about. And you know, a lot of times, if you really want to see what the true nature is, if you look at life as some kind of field, as something that's expressing itself through billions of different entities. Well, that's so. Again, going back to, Sch- to Schopenhauer, yeah. he was talking about like electromagnetism.
1: He's talking about gravity. Yes. He's saying just because there is no electricity going through a particular wire does not mean that electromagnetism does not exist. Exactly. Just because there's no phenomenal representation in this through the swing of the pendulum of gravity does not mean that gravity does not exist. Exactly. He says just because a life has lost. It's phenomenal representation in one example Does not mean that the principle of life Does not exist And this is very similar to like A platonic well, archetype
0: of life Well some people say You cannot divine the qualities of God From any expressions of nature I think Or from uh, the or the tra- Truly transcendental Is truly something transcendental even So you can't Nicholas of Cusa talks
1: about this on Divine yeah. Ignorance He said whatever God is Like everything is known in the in the phenomenal world by like by analogy and comparison he said you can't god is completely different from that you can't you you can reason from think worldly things to worldly things and make comparisons and contrast but god is on the other side of a gulf to yeah. which nothing in this world can be compared or contrasted or anything like it's well, completely see, alien
0: yeah well see that's why i like to say it's tr- something transcendental instead of deity but then again like, see, God is another tool to deify the mind. Mm. Well, I and, and I see, agree. and that's a huge, a, a very important thing to deify Cause, the
1: mind. Because the Buddhists talk of, and I was reading a text on Mahamudra. The mind is is like Nicholas's God, and so he far is. it's it is unlike ev- everything. Exactly. There's, not, there's they they say it's like space, but let's say it's you could you could never say it has a color or a shape or duration or anything like that. Exactly. But it's not non-existent either, but it, it is absolutely unlike everything you've ever experienced in the phenomenal world. Yeah, but it, it, but it's the foundation. The only of, thing of, it's like of Samsara Nirvana.
0: Well, really, but see, that's the crazy thing too. Like the fundamental natures of reality are like the mind. See, I do mm. think, like that video of those crystals, that that salt crystal for me, right. that is the mind. That is what creates the mind later. Why right. is is the is that ordering? In, in my like that is wisdom. In, in my that case, is the nature of mind. And
1: what I mentioned this I earlier, but in my case nature be, of reality. Because I'm i I'm an idealist, I, I take you very literally when you say that's mind. I think this is what a transpersonal mentation looks like across a disassociated boundary. We are literally watching a universal mind from a dissociated boundary. We are also part we are ourselves part of that mind in a sense, or at least we're grounded in it in reality. But we, we're watching it occur um, through through a boundary but what is occurring in that salt crystal is not in essence different w- with what is occurring in my mind. When I create exactly. and organize ideas and emotions and, and my personal mentations, I am doing something that is not identical but not in essence completely different from what exactly. the universe
0: is. It might be almost identical. Well, <laughs> it seems yeah, very close. See that's the thing like uh, like a mirror reflecting a mirror. Mm -hmm. I think that function within nature is self-reflection. Like, Mm -hmm. I do think self-reflection maybe comes from that nature within reality to reflect itself infinitely. Mm -hmm. I really think there's no coincidence there that the mind reflects itself infinitely into everything, and then a mirror reflecting a mirror makes infinite mirrors. Mm -hmm. Like, I really think that there is a fundamental kind of function or form within reality that, that makes these things happen. Kind of like it, within species, you know? They, a lot of species are seeking kind of ideal forms, and then mm. when they reach that ideal form, they stop evolving, you know? And it's kind of interesting. Well, some people thought, one of the funny thing was someone said that everything evolves into crabs, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But then, the, then, then someone was like, but it's pretty funny that it, it got to a shark, and then it was like, that's beautiful, and it stayed with sharks. Have looked the same for like hundreds of millions of wow. years because they're like the perfect predator. Right, right. So it's kind of interesting because because look at this. Well, this is not good for audio, but <laughs> look at the serrations on that tooth. Yeah, this is a megalodon tooth. Yeah, from hundreds of millions of years ago, or from millions of years ago. How does an th- animal know how to serrate its teeth? But they say it's from all those serrations were little teeth. At some time, and then they formed on a big tooth. But it's like you're giving sharks so much intelligence, <laughs> like that that you that a lot of people don't even realize. Oh, it's it's like, like fractal, fractal. Exactly, exactly. It is a lot of uh, nature is like a fractals on fractals on fractals. And you look at our houses and stuff, squares and squares and yeah. squares and squares, In smaller case, squares and larger squares. Teeth on teeth teeth on teeth on teeth and see that's the thing that's the nature of mind fractal mm. like it it, it it once it finds a pattern that works it repeats that pattern on another level mm. and it repeats that pattern on another level but see this big tooth rose to the highest energy level in a sense in that in that thing and then the little tooth rose to a or it fell to a lower because these were the first teeth Mm, right. Mm. So they were originally the strongest impulse, but now this is the strongest impulse. So this is lowered impulse, but they actually improve the nature of the tooth. Right. So that's mind, though. You see, mm. that's the nature of mind mm. in an animal. Yeah. But it's in all things. It's in it's in plant, but see, it's in the invisible nature. Mm -hmm. it's in the underlying nature of reality it's a feel it's it's something be it's like the true nature not essentially
1: different from like gravity electromagnetism but this is and that's why they say it's like space yeah yeah life is is that it's a shark is life's phenomenal representation like getting shocked is uh electromagnetism phenomenal representation or the way it moves iron fillings or something of
0: that sort well, and too with evolution, you had like eyes developing in in seven different evolutionary lines right. all around the same time. Well, like you said the crab thing yeah. is that it wasn't uh, the, the form of a crab is just apparently
1: uh, a great form to take. Exactly, For survivability. Yeah, it's very efficient. Well, yeah, but there's like organi- many organisms that evolved the crab shape completely. Well, and also lines. spiders,
0: too. I mean, spiders mm. are basically crabs are arachnids. Like yeah, you have yeah. and you think about spiders like a lot of them Like, that spider will sit there for months and not eat, and once it eats one thing, it could sit for months at a time. Think about if these things have discovered meditation in some way. (laughs) Like, I mean, maybe that's why they developed into a form that can just sit around for all these times, because you could get into such high states of consciousness, Mm -hmm. because they have neurons just like we have neurons. They have, like, uh, a roach has 90,000 neurons, so like a spider, many spiders have, like, hundreds of thousands of neurons, so it's like... They are probably in certain states of bliss, you know, in, in in their own version of states of bliss. And maybe they talk about the interconnected wow. web that connects all the spiders together and things like well, that. The web know? is the
1: external representation of the spider's mind. Exactly. That's what its psyche looks like probably to itself, you know.
0: Exactly, but that's what our psyche looks like too, yeah, in a yeah. sense. And the thing is... Lines of association, webs of association. The thing is, all the stuff we see around us is like the spider's web, like, all these things that we've created as humanity is our externalized mind. There's a great, there's a couple great books on this, but it's like, that is true. Mm-hmm. These are externalizations of mind. It is mm-hmm. mind and energy wrapped up together, like, in a form, you know? Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's, uh, that's where world is will and representation comes in. Like, because the world is made up of will and representations, mm-hmm. of the will. Like, these are representations of will. Yeah, I completely agree. And, but see, what's interesting is the cabinet, the true cabinet is the idea that is not made up of physical objects Mm -hmm. that you can make infinite cabinet from, that you can put on a piece of paper and people can make cabinets forever from from this thing that is not the physical object. It's the nominom. Can't we call it the nominom, right? Yeah. But you have this thing that is non-physical, that drives the physical. You know, that's mm. transcendent of the physical, that drives all the iterations and expressions of the physical. And that's the kind of interesting things. But the physical expressions do never match the ideal. Hardly mm. ever, unless you get a real genius. But even then, it's very difficult, because it takes so much energy. Mm. It takes so much energy to match reality in a lot of cases that that it really, it really takes altering the body and mind to great, great degrees to really, to really, but you can affect people just normally all the time.
1: We do affect people all the time normally. Schelling, I believe, and I hope I'm getting this correct, but he talks about, so Plato said that time was a moving image of eternity, Yes. right? And Boethius talks about this as well. It's like, what does eternity look like? It looks like endless progression. Yes. And this is being his being endless construction of itself, endlessly constructing itself forever. And yeah. this is the adequate representation of the nominal, and this, the adequate representation of the nominal actually just never stops, because it's, it, it's infinite.
0: Yes. Well, no one's ever found an end to it. and, and it to see, be the, conceived of. This is one thing. Of? This is one thing I think that's very important, too, in a lot of systems. Like, the transcendental elements and systems are eternal mind expanders. And that is one of their key, that's one of the key points about them. That's why societies and people have kept them in systems forever, is because it allows people to get to spaces of freedom and Mm -hmm. transcendence where they get over all the past ideologies and all the past wrong thinking and all the past uh, bad reasoning and all Val- this kind of values, stuff yeah, yeah. and the, and you get into and you make new value you make new values you make mm. new culture you make new societies from those places well, like I you can't. you these are the places that are important for a lot of aspects or everything we know has been created by a little bit of that like everything around us at one time was the highest ideal of humanity like a house, uh, an engine, all these things at one time. A shoe, the cup. At one time, everything around you was the highest invention at one point. Yeah. And then, it, and then, and now it's normalized, you know. But you have all these things that, at their very, a lot of them at their at their very first, they were very had a lot of energy, you know. Yeah. But they still, you can still see things that have a lot of energy because they affect the globe. Like the electric motor, all that stuff. The plant, the idea of it will be around longer than maybe any working system in certain cases. You know.
1: Well, this is a, almost a paradox that the uh, the most subtle things are in, in a
0: very real way the most enduring and the most real. Exactly. Well, see, that's the process. Kind of like it's super strong at the beginning. But mm. then it becomes the background noise, mm. and it's yeah. at the very lowest level of things, and it's almost unnoticeable. Mm. But it, but especially if something's very strong and it kind of takes over, it soon becomes the background noise. Mm. And you have so you have these really subtle, unconscious a lot of times, very way beyond consciousness even a lot of times, subtle things driving the natures of reality. And that's where I think there's non-existent things drive. The nature of reality, such as ideas mm-hmm. and things, drive existence. Well, that right. You know? Well, that like,
1: start talks about in this chapter on freedom. Non-existence uh, is absolutely necessary uh, for human freedom, because in so far as these posited, uh, fabricated realities allow us to work towards something, it, it the fabrication breaks us away from pure identity uh, with the plenitude of, of 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 the immediate being. So. He uses the, uses the analogy of the workers revolting. He said, there couldn't be a re- revolt unless there was first a positing of, of non-being in this case, like an imaginary scenario in the future in which people were better off. Exactly. But, but in this case, certainly in human reality, non, non-being non steers um, human reality. It's yes, or he, certainly it's the basis of human freedom and it's the found well i should say it's the foundation of human action
0: well and like the as if philosophy and fictionalism and stuff like mm-hmm. truly non-existence drives everything we do cuz none of our ideas truly exist right like it's just scaffolding we use to move the mind through the world so it's like you really and that's but that's kind of the, well the that's the tool that the Buddhists use to free the mind. Mm. Well, you know can... You know?
1: And I certainly I agree with that. But... And there's other... There's there's people saying... Not only are... Like... Because so, Nietzsche is relatively well-known... Yeah. And Beyond Good and Evil. He talks about the necessity of falsehoods and falsehoods... Yes. Being life-affirming affirming and so forth. Yes. I think he was... Mar- he's probably... I think he was talking about ideas in, in that particular case. Yes. But you have modern people using uh, evolutionary game theory saying... Not only are ideas... Uh, useful fictions for p- the world and so far as it's a phenomenal representation uh, itself is a useful fiction yes right exactly. it is itself a, a, a product of evolution of, of a long epo- epoch yes. and evolution does not select for accuracy of uh, an accurate perception of reality evolution uh, selects for uh, clarity of fitness payoffs and like bringing those to those well, to our attention
0: this is where I say it's about functional Thoughts, in a sense. It's like intellectual automata. Like like that thing ever making itself and stuff. Like, societies all over the world have ha- found thoughts that move the mind and move the body of people. Like it influences their lives. And they have developed traditions around these thoughts that move the body and move the mind. And that's like what all cultures in the world, when they notice that a certain thought makes people go pray or go do something it's it's noted somewhere <laughs> by yeah. most of the time because people want to know want to know these things sure. like and so even even all over the world you have these systems of functional ideas that rise to the top because like these are some of the most important things are the things that make people move and make people think and make people have ideas about ideas and about the things they never would have thought about before and, and things that are important to the world and things outside of yourself because it is important to understand that there is a world beyond the self and that it influences you all the time Mm. (laughs) and that there are many other selves and stuff. See, this is where solipsism is very prevalent now and so is simulation theory, but it is very... You have to have a reality. And you have a simulation. So you have to understand that there is a fundamental nature to all aspects of reality, and it, and it, like Kant says, in a sense, it's transcendental in nature. Well, it's so, not what we think it is, but it's it's. But we have certain systems that we use to move around within it and modify it.
1: This uh, well, yeah, I definitely agree with what you're saying. But as far as like our perception is not being good uh, indicators, of reality... Our Perceptions are not uh, a transparent window into the thing itself. Sure. They're iconic representations that have been geared to, to be selective, to, but, to bring to well, our attention, fitness bias.
0: Well, the thing is, I will say, human perception is a highly advanced and evolved thing. And mm. we can train our perceptions to be more evolved. And see, like Blake said, right? He said that the world will end... And there will be a new world, basically, but it'll end through uh, an advancement in sensual pleasure, in a sense, mm. or advancement in the senses. And in a sense, this is it. That is that will come along. Like if if we advance the mind, the senses will advance too, and we will be able to sense things that we didn't sense before. And we will. Well. And that's the that's kind of one could estimate the that the important thing. You know. Well,
1: I think out of body states are a very good. A clear kind of cut case of this, but also maybe various forms of uh, telepathy and and whatnot. Yeah. But I think I think what I, what I was I was getting at something earlier, but I kind of got off track. But I was saying, uh, I think there is definitely a reality outside of ourselves, right? Yeah. But we have to understand also that we are trapped in a, a personal simulation that is essentially grounded in in a real world. But sure. so, but we have to recognize it, learn its rules, and I did think Buddha would. Completely agree with this. Yeah. And, and Gurdjieff would
0: say... Well, it's samsara and nirvana.
1: Right. Gurdjieff I mean, said... I
0: samsara is your model of the world.
1: That the most uh, lost person, it, or the most entrapped person, is a person that's in a prison cell, but doesn't realize he's in a prison yes. cell.
0: Well, that's and a, this is...
1: People, people like Kahneman Buddha brought it up. So you have to recognize that you are living perceptually in an illusion... And that you are live in your your values are illusions, and that your thoughts are like all these like you said you're living in a system of useful fictions, but ultimately grounded in a true reality. Exactly. But you got to. But first, you just have to recognize the situation, and then realize you're in prison, and then you you're in a you're in a position to get out. But before that, not. Well, so.
0: it all depends. It all depends on the mind, because some people are naturally geared for some of these things, you know. And I, and I do think in a certain respect, like with certain cultural backgrounds and stuff, like America has freedom in, in mm. a lot of its fundamental documents, so that at least puts it in the unconscious of people, and so people are thinking about it. So that also, in certain respects, frees the mind a little bit. To degree, I think But that's true. To but degree, you yeah. do have tons of systems that bind people. Like That's why, I, when I really started understanding myself, I saw that you would need 80 years or something mm. in a cave to really work it out, because there's so many subtle feelings about everything mm-hmm. like there's so many subtle motions of mind about every <laughs> aspect of reality that you would have to go through by each by each by each and it would take so long in a sense mm. and and, uh, and not even like it's just it's just a lot of those processes would be very difficult you know but certain things can jump you ahead like certain processes mm-hmm. can get you ahead like you can gain a realization, and that'll do that, uh, from intuition and, and wisdom and things like that. That'll that'll help the process. But certain things, like if you have a lot of really strong attachments and emotions, it would take a very very long time to get rid of them all completely. And I mean, and that's even like, well, that's why I think tantra is important in a certain respect, is because that desire. It's not. It's an unreal thing that a lot of these things are going to go away for a lot of people. Mm. Like it's not possible because they don't have time to practice. So you, so you have a method methods that are quicker, but they're more intense and they're mm. more severe and they're more like mind shaking and and mind shattering and things like that. And that's like, uh, but that's the point. Like you, but that's like. I think why it's good for things like now is because people are so interested in like uh, entertainment and stuff. So you have the mind set up for certain vehicles that are like more based on that kind of stuff. Well, you know, to be
1: honest, you know, to a large degree, what brought me into spirituality and, and so forth was entertainment. I mean, and it's not like that's completely absent now. Sure, but it's more, it's a little bit, it's framed a little bit differently, more like just trying to get away from suffering. But especially mm-hmm. when I first got into things like lucid dreaming and out-of-body sure. states. What well, stuck out to me, not that these were vehicles some some uh, spiritual enlightenment, exactly. It was just like, this is really cool. And it's like being in a, a video game or a virtual reality where I had a, a greater type of freedom.
0: Yes. Right? Yes. But see, this is... where Well, for myself, what started a lot with me was just... is continuous realizations. Mm-hmm. Like, realizations coming very fast, where I realize something, and I realize something else related to that, but Mm. it's larger or a different shape or something like that. And just more and more, like certain processes of realization, and even certain moments, like one time, this is a very strange thing, but like I threw a belt over my shoulder, and it hit a guitar behind me, Mm. but I I didn't remember the guitar was there. So when it made the noise... For some reason, it made me so blissful. Like, I just sat there and rested in it, and the bliss rose. And I, and I saw why mantras and things work and stuff. But I think what I thought about later was why it worked was because it sounded kind of like a... a, a singing bowl or something, because the buckle hit the string in a weird way, so it sure. sounded crazy, but it but it was such a strange... Ex- I've never really had many experiences like that, where I've had something happen, and then a state of, like, super bliss arises within me like that, and that was very early on when I started practicing, and I also had very... my inten- fairly intense meditation, but I did smoke before I meditated, but very intense... Like, I I thought about the fractal nature of reality, right? And I was thinking about it for a very long time and thinking about just how beautiful it was and everything. And I looked down, and there's a three-leaf clover with a three-leaf clover on its leaf, where it's, like, mutated and grown a smaller three-leaf clover on its leaf. And it's directly in the center of, like, where I'm sitting, like, right in front of me. And, like... Uh, I picked it, and I kept it for a long time. I still have it somewhere, I think. But, like, things like that, you know?
1: You should have and, eaten it as he... It.
0: <laughs> yeah. But then also, like, uh, I had a very early meditative experience where I was thinking about Jesus and how hard it would be if you were so highly realized, because you couldn't talk to anyone. See, no one would understand what you were saying. Sure. Like So you would have to use parables and stories a lot of times and things like that, especially even talking to completely untrained people and with no systems and things but it's like but then i started thinking about buddha and like how hard that would be because you're because because it's because you have all these people that are highly spiritually realized so they all are really invested in these systems so you so you have this but then that's where it changed and i kind of saw everything as a all atoms planets everything is a Buddha holding a flower out for you. Like, everything is holding it out to awaken you. At any Mm. moment, you can awaken from any atom, any wall, anything. If your mind is ripened, or if your mind is in the right place, you can awaken from anything, or have realizations from anything. And that's kind of the goal, in a sense, because everything is it. It is it. Like, the true nature. And so you can really mine it for as much energy as you want in many different ways if you get your mind to certain levels seemingly seemingly Philip, Philip i mean Pete, a lot it, of people have talked about
1: it we talked about balas or yubik being mm-hmm. found in a, in, a, in a piece of trash in an old tin can yes. on the side of the road and it's, there's i guess a parallel to buddhism and probably especially zen stories about Pete. there's a guy maybe carrying uh, uh some some uh Manure, some yeah. defecation material yeah. down a hill. He spills it on himself, and he has a realization. And that's kind of divinizing even the most, even the lowest aspect of reality as a potential yes. a catalyst for the realization of ultimate, of ultimate exactly. reality.
0: And that's the point. And that's one thing with Kant. Kant didn't divinize the mind.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's one thing where his system is like a little bit behind a lot of the systems that do divinize the mind, because you're able to do transcendental things with the mind. A yeah. lot more crazier if you divinize it. Yeah. Like but and it's such a strange thing. But see I do think well, I've talked about this process before, but it's a process of something becoming transcendental in the history of humanity. And it goes back to a little bit what we were talking about before. You have this thing and it's the highest invention of, of the world. And it and it's spreading throughout the tribe. So now everyone has a bowl and there mm-hmm. wasn't bowls ten years ago, you know? Yeah. So this thing becomes ubiquitous throughout the whole tribe but then you start seeing into the future you start seeing uses for the thing mm. you start seeing things you can do with it
1: positing non-beings
0: yes in the imagination and but then you start it, yeah and then you start dreaming about it mm. you start seeing it in visions with deities see, and things like well, that probably. exactly and this is how I think gains kind of a transcendental body. Mm -hmm. But see, this is like the secondary, this is kind of like the illusionary body, Mm -hmm. like the secondary body to the prime nature of reality, but you have this kind of transcend, like the prime nature that is truly transcendental. You have this transcendental developing kind of as a mirror, kind of like a platonic thing, like uh, you have a, a, a transcendental element developing, but of everything around us, everything at one time was divinized by someone, and if it wasn't, it's probably not still around. And and making things transcendental, though, seemingly was very important for the mind at various stages of development. Mm. Because only by making certain things transcendental can you free the mind in a certain way where it gets beyond its useful fictions into the real nature as it is without any fictional overlay. And, and And the higher your perceptions are, the higher the nature of your mind, the better you're able to perceive it without overlay. Mm. And once you perceive it without overlay, you see that everything is of the same nature. And that, and that's like... Uh, like, the tree isn't a tree. Mm. It's the whole nature of reality. Mm. Like, everything is that. Like, it's not just itself. It's the sun. It's the dirt that went into it. It's the people's minds. It's the actions. actions. It's the star that blew up a million years ago or whatever, you know? You have all these trains running back. Beyond what we even know, and that's where they say there is no like. That's the nature, mm. you know, is like that. It's not the. It's not a permanent, absolute nature. It's this flowing, ever present, ever changing nature that is kind of like, or that's the free nature, the free mm. nature of mind, the the nature, like there's kind of the freedom, and then the and then the waves after are kind of the necessity. Like I said before, you have this kind of initial impulse. And then, depending on how high and far it went, in a sense, you get a certain wave pattern after it. Mm. But it's all about certain energies within the mind and body, and the certain energies people are putting into their thought structures, and where they got them from, and why they're using them. Did they get them from their parents, their friends, certain, certain systems or whatever, you know? And they, these kinds of things... Because that's really what you got to work out where did all your ideas come from where do your feelings come from how did they get established when you were young like what why do you why do you favor those thoughts over these other thoughts why do you like this over that those kinds of things and all those things are very difficult to, to really deal with and it takes a lot of time and effort to really a- answer a lot of these questions or deal with it even well,
1: ask them and and do start to deal with them. Well, it goes back i think it goes back to the prison idea and I, I don't remember the guy's name. I hadn't really heard of him outside that. But he was like, "Truths are subjectivities or subjective uh, interpretations that you've had so long that you've for, you've forgotten that they're subjective." Yes. And this this is our this is this is our present uh, in part.
0: Well, I think I think truth is an invention. I mm-hmm. do think truth is kind of a philosophical invention. Well, I mean, like tr- like uh, lowercase sense, truth, yeah, like sure, people's truth, sure, 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 you know. But that's what I mean too. Mm. It's lowercase truth and uppercase truth are both inventions. Mm. But like, truth is an invention we use that is is like in math, like two plus two is four, you know, mm. and all other things are wrong in that respect. So you had so you have these values that are that rise up out of all the infinite values, you get this mm. one value that rises up. Why well, do call that a truth? Well, exactly, it is a truth. Mm. And see, this is the thing: establishing the world on truth is a very good thing to do. Mm. And humans have thought about that for a very long time, is they want to establish things on the truest notions. And see, McKenna said, things don't have to be true, but just kind of more true. Mm. And that's like with, with fictions, too. It's mm. like... Because you can obviously tell that certain ideas work better in certain situations mm. than other ideas. Certain mm. ways of moving works better in certain situations than other situations. Mm. So So there's obviously... You know, oh, I forgot what I was going to say. But there's obviously progressions of mind, progressions of bodies to these ideal mo motions and movements. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I, I think you could say that for a lot of things. Like yeah. maybe there's no best behavior or best value, but I think we could say that there's uh, it's it's better than the, the alternatives.
0: Well, see, but that's the thing. People have millions of different levels of things. So it's like, what is good for someone is like really different for someone else, but it's still good for them, mm. but the way they're going to receive it and use it and, and build upon it and stuff is going to be completely different than the other person. Mm. And that's why, interesting, thing, like truth, truth is transcendental, but truth, all these things allow you to jump from one system to the other. Or to another system. And that's also why transcendental elements are important. It's because transcendental elements allow you to jump from one system to the other one without much problem. So you can jump, like God in one system can jump you to God in other systems. Truth in one system can jump you to truth in other Mm. systems. All these things. So So it's kind of, but there's that study done too that people's brain activity is the same in various things no matter the language. So it's non-linguistic, and that's also a very important thing, is because there are many things that are non-linguistic, and there are fundamental patterns of brain activity in males and females. Like, males and females both have subtle, different resting brain activity, but they also have different brain... Everyone has unique brain activity in every state of mind, you know, coming from your past, but also just the, the physical... the the. Uh, differences in your neurons and your brain folding and everything causes one part of your brain to be close to another part of the brain Mm. that in another person that's different so one part of the brain truth and bravery are are close together and in Mm. someone else's brain those things are not are not in the same place Mm. you know or are not connected as close to each other you know so it's not as important in their mind you know and i really think a lot of thoughts come down to things like that Like it does come down to different foldings in the brain and and certain things and different neuronal groupings linking up Mm. in people's early life that then stay linked throughout their from habitual action from things happening over and over so they stay in in certain states of mind and those uh, continue on throughout their throughout their whole life.